Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. We are thrilled to be sponsored by Vincere, a global ATS system that truly transforms the experience of every single user in the recruitment industry. We are also really proud to be partners to Needy, the bespoke gift matching service using psychology and AI to, to remove boring gifts and experiences. We'll tell you more about them later in the show. And we are also very proud to partner Inclusion Crowd, the diversity and inclusion specialist for the recruitment industry, something that you all need to know about. But again, more information later on in the show. Thank you for choosing to listen. Remember to click the subscribe or follow button so you'll be alerted to any new episodes that we release on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. But enough of this, let's jump into this week's guest. This is an episode where you need to hang on to your seat. It is dynamic, it's vibrant, it's high energy. There's so much content for leaders, for recruiters, for those starting out in the industry, for those who are curious about getting into our our amazing industry. We are joined by two guests today on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Alex Elliott is a prolific recruitment director. He's strategic director for Strive Sales, and he'll be talking to you, our community, about his experience of starting, scaling, and selling a recruitment business. So leaders, he's got some amazing insights for you if you're thinking of having an exit strategy. We talk to John Hitchin, who's sales manager and recruitment mentor, on how to become number one in your industry, what we can learn from their sector, which is SaaS, one of the biggest sectors in the world, $300 billion sector. And we also talk specifically to you listening, if you are either a a start-out recruiter or you're a leader bringing new recruiters into the industry. Absolute gold dust, golden nugget after golden nugget after golden nugget. You can tell I'm excited in my voice. So, Hang on to your seats. To anyone listening from Strive Sales, go and pack jo- Pat, John and Alex on the back because they were absolute legends and they definitely need their own live show. There's no question. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode for the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and we are in for double whammy today. I'm very excited and I hope that we uh, we get you all excited too in our global community. These are two individuals that I think I've known probably together for quite a long time um, and I had the benefit of getting to know uh, one of them in particular as a candidate a few years ago actually. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to our show today, this is John Hitchin and he is the sales manager for Strive and Alex Elliott who is strategic, get your teeth in, strategic director for Strive as well. Welcome to you both today, how are you? Excellent, we're really really good and really um, really excited to be involved in your podcast. Yeah. As you can see we're sharing the same laptop <laughs> because um, we spoke about this afterwards and I went for the cuddling option. John wasn't quite so happy. He wasn't fast enough to run away. But yeah, excited to be here. He, he wanted to be in a different room from me and I said no. It's a good job we're not recording this during actual lockdown, otherwise you'd be breaking all sorts of you know, isolation rules, wouldn't you? We so would. for, those, for those listening rather than watching, we do have a very cosy pair 
cuddled up in one in one shot. We'll definitely get a photo of this. Don't you worry about that. Now, there might be plenty of people who will probably know who you are, particularly Alex, because you are a LinkedIn influencer, as we've already said off camera. But for those who are not yet familiar with you, I'd like you to introduce who Strive are and then obviously individually who you both are. So let's go with John first. Oh, I'm like Alex's warm-up act when you go to the comedy. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thanks very much for having us. Uh, so my name is John Hitchin, sales manager at Strive. Um, I've been in recruitment for 10 years now, eight of which is probably with Alex. Um, so really broad spectrum, um, social care, change management, SaaS now, which is super exciting. Um, and I've pretty much done it all within the industry from headhunter to BD projects to, to building teams. So yeah, anything more than that's quite boring about me. So there's a quick introduction. Don't forget, Jason Manford became very famous from being a warmer fan. <laughs> you are the future Jason Man. That's that's wonderful. And also, you are a recruitment mentor for Hisham, of course. Yeah, that's right. So I've helped out a little bit on there. Um, done a couple of videos helping you know newer consultants how to do things. My sort of take on it. So yeah, I've been able to get into the community this year. Yeah, brilliant. You were fantastic as a guest on his live show, actually. In oh, thank you. Yeah, you came, didn't you? I did. Was it September 2022? Yeah, yeah, a while ago. A while ago. But yeah, you were you were absolutely fantastic. You were brilliant. I think all three of you were. And in fact, we've got Kyle coming back on the podcast. And in oh, fact, yeah. we've also got Amy. She was due to record with us today, but unfortunately, she's not very well. So she'll be coming on as well. So I thought you were all just a brilliant panel. So big shout out to Hisham as well. Well, thank you for that intro, John. And over to you, Alex. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm the strategic director at Strive. I've had the pleasure of working with John for about 10 years now. So we're growing old together, aren't we? I know. It's um, been a third of my life. I know. Wow. That's um, That says a lot, doesn't it? John's really humble. His title might be sales manager, but John's not really a sales manager. John's heading across to the US in Q1 of next year to set up our um, first US office. Amazing. And what's your title going to be when you go across there? Managing director. Managing director. So you've got to say VP for America. You do a little bit, don't you? Or, or CEO or something. But no, John's very humble. His title here might currently be sales manager, but that's probably because he hasn't pushed for, for a new title until he moves across. But my, my background is I, I built and scaled a recruitment business um, previously, which I exited in 2016 via a um, PE sale. Um, I then got involved with the two founders of Strive in uh two and a half three years ago um know those guys well worked with them as well previously so at strive we're in a fortunate position where we've, we've had a few people who all know each other and and hopefully respect each other have come back together again including the founders and we are now on a mission to to scale um strive into the number one player in our space oh very nice link into my first question which is why do you want to be number one in your marketplace and then how are you going to do that i think if I can answer this one, why, why wouldn't you want to be number one? That would be my, my pushback on that. So I think for us, if I guess you've got to align your strategy with the people you're bringing into the business. One of the things that we look for is competitiveness. So we're, we're an ultra competitive business. We, we have a lot of fun with that and it's the right type of um, competitiveness. So it's very much external facing rather than internal facing. We've got a real good teammate ethos here. But, um, but certainly, if you're competitive, you benchmark yourself, don't you? So I think our, our ultimate goal is to become the number one player in the space. And um, and what, what does that look like for us? I, I guess there's three key things we're looking to achieve. The first is market share. The second is profitability. And the third is reputation. I think that third piece is really, really important to go with the first two. So we don't just want to be the largest from a scale perspective. We don't just want to be the largest from a profitability perspective. But we also want to be the the known go-to provider within a particularly um interesting space 
Good. I'm really pleased to hear that. I mean, obviously, there's three key pillars there, which any business should be striving for. Mm. But that I think that you can't have the first two if you're not underpinning the third one. I think without mm. your reputation and without your, you know, endorsements from clients and building that, you know, that community, which is ultimately what we're all doing now and what we've all always done. You've clearly done it very successfully. So that's really, really exciting. So it's not just about measuring revenue. It's about measuring how you're doing it and what your customers are saying about you, both internally and externally, I presume. It's, it's good. I like, the, I like the fact that you talk about competitiveness. It's, it's become a little bit shrouded with like a negative connotation, but ultimately we're all competitive, right? Highly, highly. And we've all got a need for achievement. I think if you come into recruitment, lots and lots of different types of people will come into recruitment, but typically people who come into recruitment are are goals and target focused and they have a need for achievement. So I think if you've got a need for achievement, I think setting really lofty aspirational goals, which have a really compelling vision attached to them is, is a great thing in a business because then you become purpose-led and it's not just about what you're doing that month or that quarter, but you, you, you have a slightly longer term view, which is also intrinsically tied to your, your motivations as an individual, but also as a team. It's more sustainable. It's as simple as that. You're not going to sort of peter out because you're not achieving that initial goal. And I think, right, I think as an industry, we are a high performing industry. And whether that's high performance through revenue or profit or actually performing to the top of your game in terms of reputation, I I do think those three pillars are what we should all be striving for. So I I love that that's that's the scene that we've set and you are remarkable as two individuals, but also the people that that you're employing, which I think we might come back to actually in terms of, how you attract the top performers as well. So your sector is seen as a very high performing sector. Anything, you know, SaaS, anybody that's listening now that's involved in SaaS, whether it's technology, whatever it might be. So those those people that you're placing and the businesses that you're working with, what do you see that we can then plagiarize as an industry ourselves of the key behaviors to make those performers the top of their game? How can we then replicate that, I suppose? We briefly interrupt this chat on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to introduce to you our partnership with Vincere, the recruitment operating system. Vincere is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe. A single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now including video interviewing and outreach, all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincere, because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincere.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, Back to the chat. Yeah, should I take this one? Mm. Okay, good question. Um, so I'll just put it into perspective first for anyone who doesn't know SAS. Um, so I think Gardner just recently released the report and it, it's estimated it's worth around 300 billion globally, like the industry. And putting that into perspective, I think gaming is worth like 200. So wow. it's like a huge industry in the world, like, which a lot of people haven't heard of. Um, really only over the last 12, 10, 12 years, it's grown and escalated. And then COVID went through like the digital transformation phase quite quickly. So it's sped up even more. Um, But in terms of key behaviors, there's also sort of similarities and differences within that. So if you look at these 
SaaS businesses who go through extremely high growth, they all have um, fantastic hiring standards. So the key thing they do around profitability and scalability is hire in A players. Don't, um, don't cross or benchmark that standard for in bringing people in. So, you know, your first sales reps, your VPs, et cetera, are probably individuals with a great network, proven track record, people have processes and, and can come in and hit the ground running. Um, I think on that as well, these businesses that we recruit for, they have built unbelievable cultures, uh, they have a great vision, um, they've almost become employee first as, as part of some of the um, value missions, and it's something you're starting to see in recruitment as well, which is great. Um, always open to continuous improvement, whether it's from the product, the service, the sales, uh, the customer success, they're always evolving the, the products and services. And I think um, what's kind of key as well is a lot of these businesses are really led by data. So, you know, if we look at these companies, they're not off hunches or gut feelings that the data based on what, you know, the latest CIOs and enterprise businesses want to buy and what businesses need to protect themselves or grow, grow so quickly. So that, that gives them a good baseline for, for scalability and these businesses need that because they're heavily funded by VCs who, who invest anything from a million to a billion pounds in them in, in the funding rounds. It's actually quite scary the, the account the money they get. Um, so yeah, in terms of the business's point of view, I think the similarities are when you've got an amazing business like that, it's quite a, quite a sprint. It's the case of get the products, start making the initial sales, scale the US, scale Europe, scale the world. Um, and most of them have a vision to be bought or IPO'd. So I think from a, from a similarity point of view, they're the kind of businesses, but flip side, I think in recruitment, it, it's more of a marathon rather than a sprint. Yeah. Mm. You kind of want to build like a great reputation, as Alex said, um, you know, leaders go on to other businesses and you'll always carry that reputation. I think, you know, it's a fundamental service which you provide to clients that they can they can really scale. I'm not sure if you've got anything more to add on the, the business side of things on that. I think they're really good at their, because they work in such sprints, just to sort of add to the point that you made around how it's, an, it's with those guys, it is a sprint because it's a race to be number one, typically when they, they enter their marketplace. The VCs typically, if they don't feel a company is going to be number one or number two in that market space, they're probably not going to invest in it. So they have to grow as quickly and as aggressively as possible. And I think part of that is working in sprints and then having a really, clear um, process around repeatability and predictability which they can then take to the next stage and say look we've achieved the milestones that we've we said we were going to achieve and on top of that here's our here's our clear plan around how we're going to achieve the next stage so i think that's something that sometimes we in recruitment aren't quite as good at i don't think we're necessarily as good at the process side of the business i don't think we're necessarily as good at putting the process we're very good at the people side yeah. we're not always as clear and um, and strategic in how we map out and build those different business processes, which then give us the leverage to be able to grow. I'm not suggesting we should try try and grow as quickly as these guys, because you you know that, that would be silly. They've got millions, tens, hundreds of millions being pumped into them. But I think that's certainly something we can take from them. Do you think yeah. that's because we we're reactionary to the people that we're partnering? So almost mirroring our clients. Maybe that's why, but why we lack the the process that these SaaS companies have? Their tech is just so scalable, isn't it? So, you know, we scale through people and yeah. that's great. But at the same time, it's not nearly as scalable as, as, a, as a product that you can market really aggressively and put millions of pounds into marketing. 
generating you know mqls and then have an inbound sdr team who who filter through all of those leads yeah. our market you know don't get me wrong we have a number of really interesting differentiators which i think makes us stand out but in recruitment it's much more difficult to differentiate yourself from the competition in that landscape so whereas those guys the entire point of why they get investment is because they offer something new or compelling yeah. which they can take to market and their prospects will actually look at that and say that does something clearly differently or better than what we already have which is part of the process yeah. they go through to get product market fit mm. which we can do with a candidate probably We've sure. got yeah, exactly. that. what you just said. That's a great pitch, actually, Alex. I might have to copy that. Um, um, but I mean, going back to what John was saying, I think where I see the recruitment industry, and I've actually had the absolute privilege of interviewing people for the podcast who are actually not from recruitment. The likes of Bruce Daisley came on um, mm. earlier on this year, and he's obviously a, culture, a workplace culture specialist. He he runs his podcast, and he's interviewing you know the likes of the chief executive Slack, etc. And I think where culture is you know not um sort of seen as a that's the starting point that is the starting point and if you haven't got your underpinned culture in place in terms of your values your purpose your mission you're never going to be able to attract the high performing people you're never going to have anything to sell to your come your, your customer base as a I'm, I'm saying this in terms of recruitment context so it's really interesting that i think we have plagiarized a lot of what's successful in your industry around innovation you know, around, you know, some of the, we can't quite, we can't be quite as reactive and obviously we're not selling products as such. So I think that the analogy of sprint versus marathon, I think it's always going to be marathon in recruitment versus sprint, but I think you can have the mindset of sprint and innovation. It's just being adaptable and nimble, isn't it? So I think, I think it's really interesting. And I think we'll all, we should always learn from other industries. There's always ways we can improve what we do and adapt. And that's what I think is amazing about our sector. Yeah, and I think as well, like making it a little bit more relevant for any new recruiters who are uh, are listening to the podcast as well. I think that's a really good business perspective of it. But you know, consultants who who join a recruitment business, particularly what we look for, and what an enterprise account executive would join one of these high growth staff spenders for, have a number of quite key traits as well. Um, so if you look at these top sellers, for example, they're almost highly intelligent and highly curious. You know, when they do the sale with a client or the BD calls there, they're genuinely trying to find out what the top priorities are. It's not how can I make my solution fit into, into their world. So, you know, looking at a number of traits that they're also really good at emotional intelligence. And I think anyone in sales knows that's a really key trait, um, arguably more so than, than intelligence itself, general intelligence. Yep. Um, and then there's a number of key things here at Strive we, we, we look for, which a lot of the vendors have benchmarked against, you know, we really do recruit on, on drive, grit, um, conscientiousness, so, you know, honest people who are going to do what they say they're going to do. Um, and then coachability is huge as well. So I think from the SaaS industry, exactly what they look for in a seller and then what we look for in consultants. And that's why, particularly in the US, a lot of recruitment consultants have gone on into the SDR world and entered through SaaS as a, a completely different career, which is, which is great. Um, so yeah, I think from from a from a new consultant point of view, you know there are a lot of similarities as well from recruiters to yeah, sell a million dollars worth of software. It is no, I agree, and actually we we I don't think we talk about curiosity enough. Mm. I think if I think about some of the top billers I've interviewed over the years, and you know I'd like to think that I've got this inherently in me. You're just curious. You want to know about things. You, you you're not just going to take verbatim 
what somebody's giving you as information. You're going to keep probing. You're going to keep challenging it and not to be facetious, but because you are genuinely interested and curious. So I think it's really, I, I like how you've positioned what you look for because that then does, rep, uh, it replicates and it mirrors what your clients actually look for. So then there'll be a good symbiotic, presumably partnership with your recruiters supporting them, which yeah. is clearly why they're so successful. Oh, why they're always trying to headhunt our staff, which yeah. is delightful. Fortunately, we don't lose any because we're such an amazing organisation and we pay so much money to the big billers and their career development opportunities are so amazing. Shameless plug there. But um, yeah. but no, there's I agree, there's absolutely huge crossovers between the two industries. It should there should always be symbiotic relationships. And yes, you, I can corroborate that what Alex said is true. Um, so there you go. So Alex, actually staying with you, you know, you have definitely earned yourself an amazing reputation over the last year or so on LinkedIn. You've become a somewhat of a celebrity. Oh, wow. um, prior to this status of LinkedIn celebrity, you have very successfully built and scaled and sold a recruitment business, as you said in your introduction. And there are a plethora of people listening in our global community who will also be leaders, whether it's of boutiques, whether it's of you know large, large independent businesses who will be sat there thinking, that's our exit strategy. How do we do it? So do you have any headlines? Because I realize that's probably a conversation that might take days rather than minutes. What would you say your learns were, your pains, your gains? What would your sort of headlines be to those leaders listening? The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020. And I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society. And that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd, like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd. If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. Firstly, celebrity and influencer, I, I'm a little bit horrified. Um, I'm true, I'm a true Brit, therefore I'm getting quite um getting quite shy about that now and turning a bit red. But no, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I just try and put stuff out there which is maybe 
um, you know, with a, with a bit of a different um, interpretation of things. So, so thank you for that. Um, I did do a post on that, and it's actually on my LinkedIn profile, which is the 25 le most important lessons I learned building and scaling a 100 million pound revenue business. So I think there's some really good stuff on there. And if I take that, if I, if I kind of use that as a, as a starting point, I think we, we kind of touched on this previously with the environment we have at Strive. I think what we've got is a really strong leadership team. And first and foremost, if you can have business partners, trusted business partners who, who you really enjoy working with, who offer complementary skills to yourself and have a shared vision and shared values, I think that's rocket fuel in a business. So if you can get enough of those people together in the same room, that creates something special and that's a really strong starting point. So, you know, myself, Adam, Harrison, John, um, Steph, all those other people, are, are, there's so many other names that I could mention there that have come into the organization to grow this business. So I think that is the perfect starting point. I think, You've got, to, you've got to grow as the business grows. And I think one of the things that people don't always realize is that getting from naught to 1 million NFI is completely different from getting from 1 million to say three or 5 million NFI. The, it's a completely different journey you go through. And, and because it's a completely different journey, you need completely different skills to be able to um, most effectively traverse that. So if you're a founder owner, and you don't have, especially if you don't bring in NEDs, et cetera, et cetera, or people who have tro trodden that path before you, I think you need to be constantly upskilling. And I think in my previous business, that's something that John and I were quite good at. We were constantly upskilling ourselves and challenging ourselves to figure out what the next stage of the journey looked like yeah. and try and figure out, well, what do we need to know therefore to be able to best do that? And I think we've got that same learning culture now in Strive. So that's really cool. And that's, that's a consistent I've definitely seen. Um, you have to be able to make the right sacrifices as well. I think this goes back to what your why is. There is some people would much rather, for their own reasons, have a small boutique recruiter that is highly profitable and suits their lifestyle. Other yep. people want to join an organization or start an organization that takes over the world. Um, those two things are very, very different. And I think you have to be able to prepare. If, if you're going to go with the second option, there's certain sacrifices that come with that. And I've put a few posts out about that sort of stuff in the past and people always haven't been necessarily particularly receptive to it. But from my experience, it's the truth. Yeah. I wouldn't have been able to, the business I was involved in wouldn't have been able to achieve what we did unless there was people who were so committed to it, they were prepared to make the right sacrifices to yeah. grow that business. Hiring beats everything, everything else. Hiring well is everything. You yeah. can do everything else averagely, but if you hire exceptionally well, you can yep. still win. You, if you hire averagely, but do everything else exceptionally well, you don't. Oh, so I think, you know, the, the, everything starts with how well you hire and how, get, how good you get at that. And my advice to that would be to have a really forensic and rigorous approach to how you approach your hiring. Because I think a lot of recruiters, because they work in recruitment, mm. they think they're good at hiring. And the truth is, a lot of the time they're not. And that's because I don't think they've been rigorous enough with regards to how they approach the whole framework and process of building, you know, best practices around hiring. And look, I, I could talk forever, but I guess the, the two that spring to mind that I haven't mentioned that are super important. One is culture. Culture beats strategy. And I say that as someone who's got a strategic director in my title. Culture is, is the thing that will win you for you at the end of the day. And L&D. 
you, oh, you need to, if you're going to scale a business, you need to be able to hire exceptionally good people. You need to be able to bring them into your business. You need to be able to give them exceptional support and development to ramp them as quickly as possible. Give them all the tools to be successful. And then the next piece around that is ensuring that the L&D scales with the business. Yeah. So don't just bring people in, give them a few weeks training in, in, the, in a classroom and then put them on a sales desk and expect them to be engaged forever. What's the next step for those individuals? What do they need? What skills do they, they need to upskill to get to senior or principal? If they want to become a billing manager, that's an entirely new job. So you have to put them through an entirely new training program. If they want, want to become an executive um, or set up an office in, in, in Tampa, whatever it might be, you need to support your individuals with those skills. So I think, again, you have to be incredibly rigorous in how you treat your L&D program yeah. to ensure that it's scaling with the business and offering people those career paths where, you know, old days for me in recruitment, you got put on a phone and then the best billers got put into a leadership role. You weren't given any support or development with regards to what that means. Yeah. You were expected to figure it all out. And there was a huge amount of people who, who sunk instead of swam. But, yeah. um, and I think we've changed a lot. It, you know, it, I think recruitment companies typically are a lot better at that now, but it's something Definitely. that should be focused on. But it's inherent in your culture. It should be anyway. I mean, look, I'm, I'm nodding away because everything that you've said there is absolutely, you know, best case scenario, isn't it? And I think, I hope you don't mind me adding to this. I think that you can have all of those things, but you need to be self-aware. You, that self-awareness of you, who you are as a leader, where you're, I don't want to use a negative, but where your shortfalls are, but where your development areas are. If you're not actually self-aware as to where your starting point is, if this is a journey you want to take yourself on and your business on, that all the, those things might be right, but you're never going to get there. I just think there's a lot of, you've talked, I think you have talked about self-awareness, or if you haven't, you should. Um, but What's I wrong think- having weaknesses? We've all got weaknesses. And again, like everyone's a little bit like soft nowadays. It's not okay to say, I'm not good at stuff, or you're not allowed to, have conversations with people where you identify things and say look realistically this doesn't this probably isn't one of your strengths so should we keep focusing in on this or should we actually double down and play to your strengths absolutely help you develop what you need to to mitigate your weakness but let's not focus on that so i think you've just got to be able to have those honest conversations where both you and the person that you're dealing with is self-aware enough to say look this is what works for me and this is this is what what doesn't definitely we're all just a bit too woke aren't we Alex that's for sure now that was really useful and actually look and I, I have seen that post and I thought it was brilliant I don't know if I'd already sent my question to you by then but I think if anyone hasn't already connected to or following Alex you definitely should because actually your content is joking aside oh, about mm-hmm. the influence of it, it is superb and I think what what is really obvious from that answer is that you have you know you're, you're very pragmatic with you with what you share um, you know, there's always, you know, variations in what somebody's experiencing. But as a general rule of thumb, I think what you have said there is absolute, you know, gold dust to somebody oh, who's actually going to take on. But actually, even if you're not wanting to sell your business, just to scale your business. And, you know, the two scenarios you gave, I am that first scenario. I am the small beauty that just looks at profit, you know. It is a lifestyle business. I don't make any bones about it. And so there's no right or wrong answer. I don't think that's what you're saying, is it, Alex? All, all business is a lifestyle business. You just have to choose the lifestyle that True. the consequence of the business you're growing will mean to you. Yeah, so like you know, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did back in the day with the with the commitments and the lifestyle I have now comparatively. So again, it's just it's, it's what works for you. There is no yeah. right or wrong with that stuff. Is I there? love that. Thank you. That's brilliant. I'm, oh, I love 
everything that you said there. Thank you so much. So, John, you are obviously part of the uh, community that Hisham has created as a recruitment mentor, and you've already um, spoken to some of our community, a large part of whom do message me privately to, you know, comment on pe previous podcast episodes. And it's absolutely why we do this. It's why we're all giving our time to you, especially those who are at the start of their journey, you know, those who have just entered the recruitment industry. Welcome, listen, learn, ask questions, be curious. But my question to you, John, is, you know, if you you know you do hire a lot of people coming into the industry for the first time what would your top tip be for them if they're just starting out in recruitment in 2023 we are so proud to be partners of needy the gifting revolution here at key recruitment we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode. What a great question. Probably what newbies don't ask themselves. Um, first of all, Hisham's recruitment mentor program is fantastic i think the industry just needed something like that to, to piece together a, a bit more of a community feel and sharing best practices so, so hats off to him um but good question so advice coming into the industry i think first things first whether you're brand new into it it's day one or whether you're in your first year and you're thinking i've got a long-term recruitment a long-term career recruitment you have to ask yourself if you're in the right business i think it's really important that you've got everything around you to be successful, whether it's support you financially, whether it's support career development, whether it's support lifestyle. So, you know, you have to think about the factors that judge that. Um, some businesses are great at having, you know, scaling initially from, you know, an owner-led business. And it's quite common in the recruitment industry, you can get to 10, 15 heads, and that's like a stalling point for quite a while. And typically it's because those businesses don't have repeatable sales processes, you know, is there a playbook to candidate generation? Is there a playbook for uh, account management, business development? And I think when you look at a business, think, have they scaled? Have they got repeatable scale within them? And, you know, with that, will there be opportunities for me to scale in the business? So factor number one is uber important to, to understand the, the long-term yeah. vision. Mm -hmm. um, I think the next thing as well, and this was always important to me, even when I was 21, 20 years old, uh, pick, pick a manager, pick a really good manager. Um, there's a common phrase which Alex has taught me, you're not a leader until you can produce a leader who can produce a leader. Um, so I think if you can look at, you know, your, your team manager, your regional director, or even your MD, and see that they are consistently making directors in new areas and getting people up the ranks in the business, I think what a great buying signal that is. 
to choose from, that would definitely be part of my, my criteria. Um, I think like Alex mentioned that originally a lot of the top billers got chucked into a management position and they're like what we call the lone wolves. Like they're yeah. really good at the job, bit the sales machine, you know, they do what they want. But the reality is to be a good manager, you've got to go from selfish to selfless and you need to be asking your manager how that impacts them and how they're incentivized as well. So some managers want to help people. That's why they're good at it. They're really empathetic. Others just see you as a, a cash cow on a spreadsheet. So <laughs> definitely something to, to think of. Um, I think what's really interesting as well is 60% um, of consultants leave recruitment in the first two years, wow. which is just an amazing stat in itself. You know, what high, almost high turnover that is, but um, naturally it's been an industry that's been around for a while. So, you know, I'd be looking at the longevity of consultants in the business as well. Some people like big businesses where they can fit in, yeah. um, be part of the cog. Other people like that um, challenge of a startup where it is figuring it out a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, you are an artist who can do the startup or you're an athlete who can play into a system and really produce results. So, again, look at what you want from that. Do you want the systems, the bigger business in process, learning trade, or are you, are you happy to do a different style of journey? Um, I think, like, sort of digging into it as well, there's quite a lot, really. I bet people don't realize this, but Alex mentioned the L&D program. Like super important. You've got to enable recruitment consultants to be successful. You know, no one comes into the industry and just knows how to do it. You know, no one, no one really thinks about recruitment as a career, you know, from, from a young age. So is it a business where you get a week's training and then off you go, yeah. sink or swim? Yeah. Or is there a full LD program, ongoing mentorship, clear uh, candidate development paths to senior yeah. principals and management? Um, is there any budget for you to do your own personal development? So, you know, just um, hopping on the back of Alex, like exactly what we do here. We have a really slick induction program. How do you identify candidates, qualify them, manage them through a process and close them? Because it is typically quite tough. Um, so I'd be looking at, I'd be really, if I was interviewing, I'd be really digging into that point. Yeah. Tell me how I'm going to ramp up. How, the milestones, gonna... clear milestones. Yeah. It's so simple. Mm. Really, really simple. What yeah. Yeah. Super important. And then I think the last sort of like couple of points really is, um, and, and a tough one because you won't really know until you're in there, but you've got to fall in love with your industry. Yeah, um, massive. You know, SaaS sales, we're, we're talking to the number one percent of sales reps in the world. Wow. Um, it's definitely sharpened my app. So you know, I thought I was really good at recruiting before I came into here, but, wow. you know, I've definitely leveled up. So, you know, if you're not a person and I'm not, who's going to sit there and talk about uh, Java and .NET developers? And it's just not something that would really excite me. But talking to like sales reps who sell like the latest AI machine learning programs is wow. kind of cool, really. And I like learning about the product. So I think from a evaluating perspective, really important points. And then just to finish really on, on that advice, just some really simple, sounds obvious things, but... Um, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be like so obvious as to enter a business and think, oh, I'll just be successful. I'll just do a deal on day one and it won't stop. I think you fail like 95% of the time in recruitment. People drop off. Shit happens, you know. It is the industry. Yeah. Um, so take embrace that, embrace failure. Don't reinvent the wheel. If you've got a good business who's outlined a clear A to Z route on how to do the job 
put your own um, put your own spin on it, but you know, don't go about reinventing things differently. Um, do the basics really well and um, spend time initially just asking candidates about the industry. Be curious, you know, tell them I've been in recruitment a month. Would you mind explaining this to me? Because it's how you get better, it's how you how you learn your trade. So my bits of advice, yeah, judge the company on a number of factors and, and do the basics. Mm, definitely. That was all amazing. That was like an A to Z of it. Just a couple of things. First of all, the failure aspect. If you haven't yet listened to Elizabeth Day's How to Fail podcast, I listen to a lot of the podcasts and she's possibly my favourite host. She's so articulate. She's funny. She's very witty. And the whole premise of it is how people, and it's obviously going to be celebrities, how they've learned from their biggest fails in life. And it's very vulnerable. It's very honest. But it it, um, it always makes me think of recruitment because that is where you will learn your best piece of recruitment when you failed. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right, John. What other sector is based on 95% failure and rejection? But yeah. actually, how you overcome that. And I do want to just pick up on another point because anyone that's ever engaged with me as a rector, which I've done for 20 years, you've got to be passionate about your industry. It doesn't matter whether it's, you know, food, fashion, logistics, doesn't matter. Because if you're not interested to be curious with your candidates, which is your starting point, you will never succeed. You just won't. You'll never be a high performer and you'll probably be miserable. And when you have your bad day and your bad month and you have all your fallout fees, you will want to leave. And it's a shame. So I think your advice was tremendous. Is there anything you want to add to that, Alex? Oh, that's so good. I I, I like the thing about embracing failure. I think your first 12 months in recruitment can suck. And even if you go on to my first six months recruitment was absolutely brutal. So I think the truth is that I think it's really important to manage expectations for people coming into the business. It's, it's like lots of things. You can't really emotionally, you can intellectually understand something without being able to emotionally understand it until you go through the process yourself. But at the same time, as leaders, I think it's really important that you try and be as clear and concise and, and honest as possible with regards to what the first six, 12 months in recruitment looks like which is pretty brutal because you have to build that network. You have to learn your trade. You have to master your skills and you're being told no 95% of the time, yeah. if not more when you first start out. Yeah. Um, so there's just a huge amount of pressure and, and stress within the role in the first 12 months. So join the right company, have those expectations clearly set for you and just go into it with open eyes. Because I think if you don't, and it, it comes as a shock to you, usually that's not going to work out well. No, it's not. And, and and the leaders listening, what you have just said there, Alex, is absolutely your responsibility to managing expectations. Mm. It, in anything, at any stage of this conversation, that's what it all also comes down to. You are not going to earn £100,000 in your first four months, despite <laughs> what really analysts might say. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Really not. Um, obviously, Strive, <laughs> you, can, you can earn probably more than any other recruitment company in the UK in your yeah. first 12 months. Shameless plug. But um, no, no, joking aside, um, even the greatest recruitment companies that you go into, they can pay the best commission structures. They can they can have the most attractive margin and and financial markets. But the reality is the first 12 months you're building your network and you have to accept that you're you're putting the hard yards in early days and you won't start to see the financial benefit of that until year two. Yeah. And then, you know, you should earn, you should start to earn really good money in year two, ridiculous money, considering 
the, the barriers to entry and we're not Agreed. we don't have to do seven year degrees you know you can no. lose money in year two and then year three you can start to you can start to really motor and change your life from a financial perspective and if you're in the right organization and they're going places it's just a rocket ship for your career it really um, is it's and true again, that's why we talk about doubling down because if you if you if you get momentum in your early career in the, in, in the right type of business by the time you're 30 years of age you're you're the MD of, of the Americas. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Or VP, VP. Um, just going back on what you just said there, just again, my word, of, my advice to leaders listening as a rector, and I often interview a lot of people who are coming out of their first jobs because none of these things have been achieved, is actually don't sell the opportunity you need to give warts and all because it's again managing expectations it's going to be challenging people are going to hang up on you people are going to mess you around they're going to take counter offers you need to unsell the job the sector because that way then if the recruiter comes into it eyes wide open you've got less chance of them having disillusionment that's that's my that's always my advice i had to add my two penneth there i hope you don't mind i love it and it's it's also A players want that because mm. A players don't want to be like, I, I, again, that's something that I think sometimes recruiters get wrong. They, they, they don't make the interview process challenging enough. They happy offer years. too early. It's happy years. Actually, A players want to feel like it's going to be really, really hard and it's really aspirational, but there's challenges that go with that. Whereas if something comes easy to them, I don't think that aligns with their intrinsic need for finding the best or that that need no, stop offering in the first interview my god although mm. secretly you're like wow great but actually no i agree with everything you just said there yeah, joking right. aside this has been so much fun and i wasn't wrong was i that we could talk all afternoon but i really appreciate both of you giving your time because each of you individually was going to be absolute gold dust but together you have made a dynamic duo and one that I'm sure we should probably get out yeah. in live show in some way. But it's it's I really appreciate that. You've been an absolute, you know, both of you've been just wonderful with what you've given us there in terms of advice to all of our audience, all of our community. So we'll make sure that people can connect to you, start following you, obviously yeah. start possibly stalking you, Alex, on LinkedIn. And good luck with the Americas, John. So by the yeah. time this goes live, you might be over there. Thanks so much. Look forward to listening to it and thanks for having me. Don't lose, don't lose that northern accent now, please. Don't <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. <laughs>